Good morning, Riverside, San Bernardino, Inland Empire, and listeners around the world. Welcome to the Truth Seekers radio show. I'm your host, Angeline Marie. Thanks for taking the time to join us this morning. We're broadcasting from our flagship station, KCAA 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. And if you're located in the Southern California Inland Empire, you'll find us on KCAA 1050 on the AM dial. If not, you can find us streaming on kcaaradio.com or talkstreamlive.com. You can also hear our program rebroadcast on Red State Talk Radio at redstatetalkradio.com, and you can check their website for broadcast days and times. And also don't forget, you can always find podcasts posted on kcaaradio.com to listen at your leisure. And you can learn more about our show at truthseekersradioshow.com. Today, my guest is Christopher Johnson, and we're going to discuss the topic, the foundation of our nation. Christopher Johnson is the founder of Creation Liberty Evangelism. In 2009, he started his evangelistic ministry in order to teach the truth of God's word and science. And as always, his wife, Lorraine, helps him with the ministry. Welcome back, Christopher. It's so great to have you back. Thanks for taking the time with us today. Hi, Angelina. I'm honored to be here. Thanks for inviting me again. Okay. Well, let's get started. Uh, The first question I have is, what do you believe is the foundation of our nation, and how would you say that that differs from what we are taught in history classes today? Well, uh, standard textbook history, well, my voice is <laughs> sorry, a little, I apologize to everyone, I'm a little hoarse today, so be patient with me as I go. There are standard textbooks uh, are teaching that our founding fathers um, mostly consisted of what they're referring to as the Enlightenment philosophers. If anybody does research on that, that's a phrase you're going to hear commonly. And that's not something I have time to go into today. A lot of it's atheistic and, you know, humanistic. All materialism is what that's founded in. And they uh, they think that these that the Founding Fathers were actually Enlightenment philosophers and that they somehow discovered this perfect type of governmental system that was supposed to save mankind somehow. And that's what, you know, America was supposed to be. But the, you see, the hope that the modern the humanists have is to give people the impression that Christianity has had little or no influence on the foundation of the United States of America. And the purpose of those, I mean, that's a flat lie, and, and we'll, we'll, see, we'll see that. And I, I don't say it to somebody who's confused or is ignorant, because when you, if anybody reads through any of the quotations of the men who are the founding fathers, they can obviously see they were, they were Christians. They can't be uh, deists or other things they claim them to be. But the purpose of those lines is so that, and I, you know, I, some people might find this harsh, but, they, but the bottom line is that these are God-hating materialists that are trying to take credit for something that God's Word has given us, and thereby they, they're glorifying themselves for something their wicked philosophies could never hope to achieve. So they're taking what you know Christ has given us by you know the morality and the form of government uh, that was built on that by his word. They're trying to take that and give themselves credit for it, as if they came up with this on their own. And the principles of liturgy that we're enjoying in the United States today are obviously, you know, they're founded on the doctrines of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the majority of the founders uh, not just believed this, but they lived it out in their daily lives. And the Constitution was developed on the reliance that we, the people, would do the same, live up to the moral standards that Jesus Christ gave us. Now, I, I want to clarify before we begin here, because some people might get confused who, who are familiar with the subject. I am not saying this is a Christian nation. I'm also not saying this has ever been a Christian nation. I said this has been a nation of Christians in the past. I think that that number is dwindling today. I would call it a nation of Christians. But the government is a is a neutral body. It can't adopt a religious foundation because it's not a person. So you can't say it's a, it's a Christian nation. Uh, I think we have to be kind of specific on that because of all the argumentation that's flying back and forth. And uh, we'll talk about a little bit of that today. Okay. You know, and if you take a look at some of the state uh, documents, state constitutions and U.S. documents, Definitely, you know, you see providence, you see God, God Almighty, and I believe even, you know, Christ. So how would you say that these people that argue that we were based on Christian principles by Christians, how 
do they argue that this was, no, this was based on secular principles? How do they explain this? Well, to be honest, they don't. Uh, that's, that's what I've seen. Now, well, I mean, some people say, well, you say they don't argue at all. Oh, yeah, they try. But when you find out the truth and you actually go look up the uh, the documentation on what did these men really say, what were the statements they made about their own religious uh, practices, their religious beliefs, and then compare it to what they're looking at, I mean, a lot of this can get a little confusing to some people because we don't understand the premise. Uh, the the humanists and you know the, the God-hating scoffers is usually what I like to call them because that's what you'll run into uh, when you talk about the subject. But they always like to refer to a number of men. Uh, typically, you're going to hear uh, Thomas Jefferson or you're going to hear Benjamin Franklin brought up. And these guys, of course, um, I don't deny the fact that their, uh, their religious positions were questionable. They may have been deists. But you're going to find that when the, you know, like atheists, for example, will talk about this issue, they're going to bring up Jefferson and Franklin all the time. And they'll say, see, you know, Jefferson was a deist or Franklin was a deist. Therefore, all the founders were deists as if those were the only two men to ever have written a declaration or a constitution. I don't know where they're getting this idea from. And then, mm -hmm. of course, they'll refer to men like Thomas Paine, which I, I don't think, I don't ever consider Thomas Paine a founding father. I don't know. A lot of people are going to disagree with me that I don't care what you say. I don't think he was a founding father at all. He wrote a pamphlet called Common Sense, uh, and then he went to France. So, you know, I don't think he's a founding father. In common sense, there's a pamphlet passed around that helped, you know, build up a spark to get people going for this. But you see, Thomas Paine was an atheist, and his argumentation, if you read the common sense pamphlet he wrote, uh, came from out of uh, 1 Samuel chapter 8. But he doesn't believe the Bible. Mm -hmm. So, first of all, he's obviously a manipulating hypocrite who's a liar because he doesn't even believe the argumentation he's giving, but it was 1 Samuel chapter 8 which got them sparked to do that. And I guess, well, let me, let me go over that real quick, because the first Samuel chapter 8, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, is an excellent uh, biblical, basically God is telling us, here's why you don't want a king. See, Samuel, uh, he, he told Samuel, he says, you go, you go warn them why they don't want a king. And he says, they're going to reject you, but they're not rejecting you because they're rejecting you, they're rejecting you because they reject me and they don't want me to reign over them. So uh, he says, uh, let's see here, this is first, I'm going to start in uh, verse 11 for Sam in chapter 8. He says, this will be the manner of king that shall reign over you. This is God talking. He says, he will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, and to be his horsemen. Some shall run before his chariots. Wow, doesn't, doesn't that sound exactly like our president today? Mm -hmm. I mean, he's the commander-in-chief, isn't he? And that's what happens with the drafts, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, that sounds exactly what, what's happening. But, you know, you go into verse 12, it says, You will appoint him captains over thousands, captains over fifties, and they will set them to ear his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his instruments of war and, and, and instruments of his chariot. That's exactly what we see in our military today. And he, he will take your daughters to be confectionaries and to be cooks and to be bakers, and he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards and even the best of them and will give them to his servants. And for any of you that, you know, if you haven't seen what the, um, the FEMA uh, emergency acts that they've passed, I don't, I don't really have that information pulled up right now. That's a completely different topic. But that's exactly what they're going to do when they declare martial law here. Because I think the average person doesn't understand. The reason Caesar came to power in Rome, he was never in power. He was just a man. That they had a uh, law where the, if there was a time of emergency, that a man, a single man would be appointed to temporarily, that is temporarily, take over, you know, rulership of the country to lead the people. And then afterwards, he's supposed to give it back. But afterwards, he didn't give it back. Mm -hmm. And so what's happening right now is our president is put in the position to take over during martial law. And if people think he's going to give that power back, you've got to be kidding. Right. Uh, and right. this is exactly what's being spelled out in First Samuel chapter 8. But he says, he will take the tenth of your seed and your vineyards to give to his officers and to his servants. And he will take your men servants and your maidservants and the goodliest young men and your asses, and he will put them to work. And he will take a tenth of your sheep, and ye shall be his servants. And ye shall cry out in that day because of your king, which ye have chosen you. That's what God said. I didn't choose it for you. You chose this for you. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. That was a very powerful argument from the Bible. But the point is that Thomas Paine didn't believe it. He was an atheist. And so really what it was, what the, the, the spark that was given for the revolution that they're trying to give to Thomas Paine, is actually from God's word. That was the spark that got people started on this. So Thomas Paine, I don't consider a founding father at all. But it's men like that 
that the atheists and the, the secular humanists and the imperialists are all referring to because they want to take away credit from God's word and bring it upon themselves to glorify themselves. So that's why I say, you know, we'll cover some more examples of what exactly they say in a little bit, and we'll have to take a break in a moment. But uh, the point is, is that they don't really give any kind of solid argument because what they're doing is quoting from one or two men that may have been deists and then ignoring the hundreds of other founding fathers who were strong and dedicated Christians. Okay. All right, Chris, it's time for that break. Listeners, today our guest is Christopher Johnson, founder of Creation Liberty Evangelism, and we're discussing the foundation of our nation. We'll be back in a moment. Year, millions of people fall for dangerous fad diets and bogus weight loss products. Here's how to separate facts from fad. This is registered dietitian Melissa Joy Dobbins for the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics with your Eating Right Minute. Fad diets give lots of promises and few results. Some are even dangerous. Remember these warning signs. A guarantee of rapid weight loss is a red flag. For long-term success, aim to lose about one pound per week. Never follow a diet that bans an entire food group or one that allows you to only eat from one group. Finally, there is no proof that eating specific foods at certain times of the day will help with weight loss. To create an eating plan just for you, see a registered dietitian and visit www.eatright.org. Encouraging you to eat right, I'm registered dietitian Melissa Joy Dobbins with the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Welcome back. You're listening to the True Seekers radio show. Today, our guest is Christopher Johnson, founder of Creation Liberty Evangelism, and we're discussing the foundation of our nation. And Christopher, I want to ask you, I read your article online about the foundation of our nation, and in there you mentioned the pilgrims, two purposes for departure to the Americas that was mentioned in the Mayflower Compact. Could you talk about that? Yeah, sure. If anybody uh, wants to see the article, you can always go to creationliberty.com. Just enter in the word foundation into the uh, search bar, and that will bring up an article called The Foundation of Our Nation. Or in our article section, there's a, there's a specific section called Government, and it will be listed in that if you want to see it. But if you uh, read part of the Mayflower Compact here first, it says, uh, quote, Having undertaken for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith and the honor of our king and country a voyage to plant the first colony, in the northern parts of Virginia. So that's what, so so far, if we stop here, what they're saying they're undertaking, the reason they're leaving, it says, for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith. And it continues, though by these precepts, solemnly and mutually, in the presence of God and one another, covenant and combine ourselves into a civil body politic for our better ordering and preservation and furtherance of ends that aforesaid. So what they stated here, that's end quote, so what they stated here, was that not only did they make the adventure, the journey across the sea, I mean, these guys weren't just, oh, we're adventurers and we want to go see the world. That wasn't the the case. Mm -hmm. Uh, They undertook this because they wanted to give glory to God and advance the Christian faith, and they developed their first, uh, the first government of the colonies was developed because of the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith, and they wanted to uh, create order and preserve that. So, and, and people need to understand, I want to make this very clear, very specific, that this is not Catholicism. Uh, this is a we could, this is a whole other topic we could go into. I'm not going to go into it right now because the topic today is just talking about our founding fathers. But at the time, there there was a very rare instance that there was a Protestant king on the throne, King James I, and the most of the other uh, kings and queens that were on the throne were Catholic ones, and they were allowing the Pope to take over a rulership position in the country. And so many uh, Christians, Protestant Christians, were tortured and killed. If you guys want to read more about that, you can read Fox's book of Martyrs. Um, or I think there's more history of it. Dave Hunt has a really good book called uh, A Woman Writes the Beast. If you guys ever uh, check that out, that's also a good book uh, that will teach more on that topic. But 
what was, what was happening, part of the reason they were leaving was because they wanted to get away from the oppression of the Catholic Church that was torturing and murdering Christians for preserving God's Word and trying to get a Bible into English so that everybody could read it. So when I say that um, for the advancement of the Christian faith, this is not Catholicism. Uh, that's what was making this uh, the foundation of America, the creation of it, very unique. Uh, it's because this is Protestant Christianity finally having the freedom to be able to have, well, religious freedom and freedom of speech, and that's why they were trying to preserve that. Um, and I guess I guess we could kind of move into uh, a few examples of what I'm talking about. I mean, in in our country in general, like for example, our, our Capitol building. Some of these, um, the Christian Foundation is in. The, in the Capitol, when you walk around and see different things, you're going to see the Christian Foundation there. Uh, and like, for example, in the Rotunda, they've got a painting called the uh, Embarkation of the Pilgrims, and they have all these pilgrims surrounded by someone uh, reading a book, and that book, if you look closely in the painting, you guys can go to Washington, D.C. and see this for yourself, it's the Geneva Bible. Now, of course, the King James Bible was out at that time, but they were u- still using the Geneva Bible. I mean, the King James had just come out, it still wasn't spread out very much, the Geneva Bible is what uh, most Protestant Christians were using before the King James uh, really got established. So that's what they were reading and bringing over with them on, on the boats uh, they, came, they came in. And then, of course, there's another one um, that a lot of people are familiar with called the Baptism of Pocahontas. Uh, and that was uh, part of the efforts that the pilgrims wrote down in, their, in this uh, political document they had just made. Uh, that, uh, their goal was to try to advance the Christian faith. And Pocahontas was one of the first uh, Native Americans to convert to Christianity, and uh, she changed her name to Rebecca and married a man by the name of John Rolfe. So her her actual name, most people know, is Rebecca Rolfe when she died, uh, and most people just call her by Pocahontas. And uh, and by the way, for you, those of you who have ever seen um, some of those Disney movies a long time ago, like Pocahontas, that has almost abs- absolutely no historical value in it whatsoever. <laughs> they don't even get the names right. And a lot of this stuff. So I, I would highly advise people don't don't watch a movie and take that as history. We need to actually study the real history and find out the truth there. Also, you mention a Treaty of Tripoli as an argument against Christianity and the founding of the nation. Can you explain more about that? Oh yeah, that's uh, when you had mentioned earlier. I forgot to talk about that. Uh, was about you know some of the arguments they tried to use against the foundation of this nation being by men who were Christians, or when they try to say, well, this is not a Christian nation. Uh, the Treaty of Tripoli is one of the main ones they use. Um, and this was um, it was during the presidencies of Washington through Madison, so the first four. Um, the Muslim Barbary pirates, uh, that was around Morocco and Tripoli and Algiers. If you guys don't know where Tripoli is, Tripoli is a, a city. If you, if you went on a map, to Italy and to Rome, put your finger on there and went directly south until you reached the beach on Africa, you would be at Tripoli. That's where it's located. And there was still a lot of trade at that time going on around the Mediterranean Sea. So in the Americas, um, we were people were trying to earn money by sending ships across the ocean and trading uh, with uh, all sorts of different countries within the Mediterranean Sea. But there were a lot of uh, pirates, uh, Barbary pirates from Tripoli, that were, you know, ambushing ships. And so we were at war, uh, war with them, and the Barbary pirates were at war against any nations that had anything to do with the Catholic Church because they had been at war with them since the, you know, the years of the Crusades. And the colonies uh, were trying to separate themselves from the oppressive Catholic Church. So in the eyes of the Muslims, we were all Christian nations. Uh, they're just like, whatever it is, it's, it's all Christianity. Uh, so because of the assumed connection that, you know, we had come from Europe, therefore we are, you know, part of this Catholic war, they decided to initiate war onto the United States, and they were, you know, raiding boats. That's the situation that was going on when the Treaty of Tripoli was written. So let me read you, uh, this is um, Article 11, and I guess, well, maybe I should explain this too. Spain and France, we were heavily in debt to them. I mean, we didn't get a bunch of guns and and all sorts of uh, war machine-type equipment. Out of, out of nowhere. It's not like we can make it ourselves. This is a very new nation. It, we didn't really didn't have anything. And because of support from nations like Spain and France, we got into the debt with them because mm-hmm. they didn't really have much of a tourist in order to defend themselves. But uh, we were in the process of de- developing a navy as well at that time because we didn't have a full-on uh, you know, navy. And 
at the time, um, the cost was going to be too great because our, our nation was just too fragile. So we had to try to make peace with the Barbary pirates so that way we could actually trade and earn money back. So uh, in Article 11 of the Treaty of Tripoli, uh, it, says, it, says, it begins and says, as the government of the United States of America is not in any sense founded on the Christian religion, as it happens in itself, no character of enmity against laws, religion, or tranquility of, of Muslim, Muslim, this is Muslim men, which that's Muslims. And as, as the said, the uh, United States have, um, have never entered into any war of hostility against any uh, Mahometan nation. It is declared by the parties that no pretext arising uh, from religious opinion shall ever be produced an interpretation of the harmony existing between the two countries, blah, blah, blah. The point is, is that they look at the one sentence that says, as the government of the United States of America is not in any sense founded on the Christian religion. That's the one they focus on. Mm-hmm. Now, most of those people that are using this who hate the Christian God of the Bible will read that first underlined section and then stop reading anything else after that. And the claim is that this line from this treaty proves that Christianity had nothing to do with the foundation of our nation, but we need to analyze that context of what that is said uh, and why it was said, who authored it in this way, and why it was supported. Because I fully agree that the government of the United States is not founded on Christian religion. The federal government is a non-living entity, and it's not bound to any religion uh, for the very purpose of allowing all individuals the God-given liberty to worship as he pleases. So the United States federal government has no conscience, you know, and it can't take any stance other than to preserve the rights of the people that's established by the Constitution. So the problem here is that the atheists and humanists are using this cherry-picked phrase and incorrectly applying it to the beliefs of the founders. See, this was talking about the federal government of the United States, but they're turning around and saying, see, none of the founders believed in Christ. And I've got different quotations uh, that I'll read in a little bit here where they're saying these things. But, uh, you know, I'm surprised that the atheists and humanists making these claims are not completely embarrassed by their statement that the United States was not a Christian nation, and then back it up with the Treaty of Tripoli, because even the Barbary pirates of Tripoli recognized that the United States was a Christian nation. Mm-hmm. So otherwise there would have been no war and no treaty to begin with. So what they're doing, uh, you know, if you read the Article 11 as a whole, and a lot of people don't go through and read the whole article, it says that the United States government has no hatred against the laws or religions of the Muslims, and the United States government has never entered into any act of hostility against the Muslims. That was back in the day where, you know, we weren't getting involved in the personal affairs of other countries, which we should still be doing today, and we're not. Uh, but the purpose of the article of the Treaty of Tripoli is then summed up in the last line, which basically states that no war would ever be initiated over religious opinions. That was Article 11's purpose. Its existence is to reassure the Muslims in a simplistic way that we were different from the other nations bound by Catholicism and their unscriptural practices, and the United States would not crusade against them in a so-called holy war. That was the entire purpose. And I think um, Noah Webster, uh, who's, who's he's called the father of American scholarship and education, i got a quotation from him here I'll read. He said, the, the ecclesiastical establishments of Europe, okay, which is biblical establishments, which serve to support tyrannical governments are not the Christian religions, but abuses and corruptions of it, end quote. I thought that was a really good quotation from Noah Webster, where he's spelling out very clearly that if they are not biblical in every sense, they're not Christian, because Christianity has to be based on what God's Word says. So I don't know, I, I know we're, we might be pressed for time in this section, I'm not sure how many minutes we have here. Yeah, well, it's almost time to take a break, but go ahead and finish your thought. Well, I mean, the again, the Catholic Church for centuries long of uh, you know they've they've been pressing knowledge. I mean, I have a uh, an article called "Why Is the King James Bible?" If you guys can look that look that up on our website, uh, it talks about how the Catholic Church at one time, and this was not discovered by Protestants, it was discovered by the Catholic Church themselves. Their researchers they found the documents where the Catholic Church banned the Bible as reading material. They, they banned the Bible. It was on a blacklist. Mm-hmm. And so they were doing that and torturing and murdering countless men and women who stood for the truth of Scripture. So that is what Noah Webster is referring to. It's supporting, it, it, the Catholic Church is supporting tyrannical government, and it's not Christian. That, that was the, 
same point I was trying to make there. Okay. All right, listeners, our guest today is Christopher Johnson, founder of Creation Liberty Evangelism, and we're discussing the foundation of our nation, and we'll be back right after this message. Many people tell me many things to believe in, but without God's Word, how can I know what the truth is? Are you willing to give what God has freely given to you? Wycliffe Associates provides opportunities for people with a willing heart to serve the Master Builder so that others will have the ability to let their hearts hear the good news of Jesus Christ. With no Bible in their heart language, millions are left never knowing the truth. You can change that by becoming a Wycliffe Associates volunteer, helping translators start a Bible translation in every language that needs one by the year 2025. Call 800-THE-WORD and find out how you can invest in eternity. And I know that this investment will continue to grow forever. Every verse, every tongue, and every task. That's the calling of a Wycliffe Associates volunteer. Call 1-800-THE-WORD and see where you fit in. That's 800-843-9673. Or go to our website at WycliffeAssociates.org. Welcome back. You're listening to the Truth Seekers Radio Show. Today, our guest is Christopher Johnson, founder of Creation Liberty Evangelism. We're discussing the foundation of our nation. And Christopher, before we get going in the next segment, would you like to give your web address so that some of the listeners can find these articles and read them? Sure. That's uh, creationliberty.com. Okay. Well, you, you know, we always hear um, to, to try to push God out of public places. It's the all the argument separation of church and state. It's always that. And you bring this up also as far as the that you say it came from the letters between Thomas Jefferson and Danbury Baptist. Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, the um, it was, I, I believe, uh, let's see, 1947. Let me pull my notes here. 1947. Uh, Everson versus the Board of Education uh, is where a quotation came from that's very, it's very popular for the, uh, the God-hating community to use. They say the, it says, quote, the First Amendment has erected a wall between church and state. That wall must be kept high and impregnable. We cannot approve the slightest breach, end quote. So this is often misused out of its context because they're, what they try to say is that Thomas Jefferson said this. Um, and he did say that, but there, but what's happening is that they're trying, uh, that many, or excuse me, I got, I got my words mixed up, I apologize. What uh, a lot of people are, or a lot of Christians are teaching is that Thomas Jefferson said that, which is true, but the, the scoffers are teaching this is coming from the First Amendment because this is, mis- this is misused. I mean, when they said this in the court case, that wasn't true. Thomas Jefferson, and, and like you said, the Baptist Association of Danbury, Connecticut, it was letters between them where this was first mentioned. Uh, and this is, I'm gonna, I want to read a letter. This is from the Danbury Baptist. And, mm-hmm. and to prep this, um, Jefferson was the first con- this country's first anti-federalist president. Uh, there were federalists who wanted a federal government and then anti-federalists who said, we don't need a federal government. Right. And Jefferson was along the anti-federalist side. Um, I'm not going to talk about which one's right or wrong or whatever right now because we don't have time for that. But the um, but that excited many Baptists because at the time, most of the Baptists were against the federal government, claiming more power than the individual states. And the Danbury Baptist wrote uh, Jefferson a letter for praising you know his his elected position. And when they included this uh, this concern about this topic on, on potential threat of religious liberty in the future. Because remember, at this time, I mean, Jefferson, when he's in office, we've already got an established constitution and all the amendments and everything. So uh, here's a quotation from this letter, Danbury Baptist, to Thomas Jefferson. Quote, Our sentiments are uniformly on the side of religious liberty, that religion is, all at, is at all times and places a matter between God and individuals. 
that no man ought to suffer in name, person, or effects on account of his religious opinions, and that the legitimate power of civil government extends no further than to punish the man who works ill against his neighbor. But, sir, our constitution of government is not specific. Therefore, what religious privileges we enjoy as minor part of the state, we enjoy as favors granted and not as unalienable rights. So, according to the Danbury Baptist, the First Amendment's uh, statement of the free exercise of religion was not specific enough. That's what they were trying to hit at. Mm-hmm. And that the clause of the uh, amendment made it seem like, uh, you know, the right of religion was granted by the government instead of God-given, which would leave it open to one day being regulated. See, that's spelled out in the Declaration, but they wanted that spelled out in the Constitution as well. Right. And as we just saw, you know, as I just read in the letter, I mean, the only religion they would want regulated is one that caused a man to walk ill, uh, work ill towards his neighbor. You know, for example, a religion like Islam is something they would not want, you know, that would have to be regulated because they, you know, as we can see in the Middle East, they're working ill towards the neighbor. Uh, if you guys want to see, learn more about that, again, we have an article on our website called uh, Islam, a Religion of Terror. You can go and read about, uh, more about that. We give lots of examples on that issue. Um, so in other words, it's, it's causing, you know, someone that's working ill towards his neighbor, it's causing him to violate the laws of God in accordance to his neighbor. That's what they were really concerned about. And the courts would have to handle those crimes against fellow citizens. Uh, but, and Jefferson, because of his conviction and his agreement on this point, made numerous statements emphasizing government's limited role to the rights of the people. This is Thomas Jefferson. Uh, this comes out of a, a book called the Jefferson Encyclopedia. Uh, it's le- letter section labeled uh, number 7225. You guys will look this up. He said, quote, I do not like in the federal constitution the omission of a bill of rights providing clearly and without aid of sophisms, uh, or, or sophisms, excuse me, sophisms for freedom of religion. So he wanted those added in there. That's what he's saying. Uh, here's another quotation uh, he has uh, from the same, same area. He says, in matters of religion, I have considered that its free exercise is placed by the constitution independent of the powers of the general federal government. So here, Jefferson is interpreting for not just the Danbury Baptist, but for everyone, what this is meant by the Constitution. When it talks about a, uh, a wall between church and state, it's a one-dimensional wall. Mm-hmm. That it's preventing the federal government from sticking its nose in the church's business where it doesn't belong. Unless, of course, you get, like we talked about last time, if you get 501c3 incorporated, then you sign a contract allowing the government to get to stick their nose in your business. And then right. there comes the problem, you know. So this should, I mean, even the fact that they have to create a 501c3 to get their hands into your church should be obvious reason why you shouldn't get 501c3 incorporated, but you can go back and listen to the other broadcasts if you want to <laughs> on that. Anyway, continuing, he said, here again, this is uh, labeled number 2901 in the same location I, I quoted above. It says, quote, I consider the government of the United States as uh, interdicted, which means prohibited. He says he considers it prohibited by the Constitution from intermeddling in religious institutions, their doctrines, discipline, or exercises, end quote. Uh, here's another one uh, that he said, and this is uh, quoted, uh, let's see here, I don't have who the letter was to, but it was written in 19, uh, or 1798. He said, quote, no power over the freedom of religion is delegated to the United States by the Constitution, end quote. So three things I want people to consider from this. And when you're talking about separation of church and state, and when you go back to what Jefferson was talking about, number one, Jefferson's position was the same as the original meaning of the Constitution, and that is the federal government is completely prevented from getting involved in the church's business. Uh, Number two, Jefferson's position was also to prevent the federal government from claiming any brand of religion, obviously. Mm -hmm. And number three, Neither of the two positions I just mentioned claim that the church has no business in the federal government. The federal government has no power to label itself with a church, but the church has all the power to be involved in the federal government. And that's the point. You see, there's some people that want to say, oh, Christians shouldn't be involved in government. Well, tell that to King David. Tell that to King Solomon. Tell that to Queen Esther. I mean, as soon as somebody says that, I hate to be harsh to some of these people, I I really do, but as soon as somebody says that, I know they don't read the Bibles, because Mm -hmm. there's nowhere that it says that. Uh, In fact, what did Jesus Christ tell us? Let me see if I can pull this up here. I have a scripture I'll read uh, real quick. Uh, This is from Mark uh, chapter 10, verse 42. It says, But Jesus called them to him, and saith unto them, Ye know that that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, that their great ones exercise authority upon them, but it, but so shall it not be among you. 
But whatsoever will be great among you shall be your minister, and whosoever of you shall, uh, will be the chiefest shall be a servant of all. Uh, he says, for the Son of Man has not come to be administered, not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. For those of you who are familiar with those verses, if you read your Bibles. Well, what it's saying here is that if the government, like, for example, through the 501c3 contracts, if the government were to get involved in the church, that makes the government and the church one. They're not two separate entities anymore. It's all government, which means it violates the scripture of what Jesus Christ wanted his church to be. But the church getting involved in the government, okay, what this is describing about the Gentiles' exercise lordship over them, he says your church is not to be like that. But nowhere does it say the government's not supposed to be like that. See, what we have to understand is that even under the rulership of the, of the New Testament was, was under Rome's rulership. They had a king. They had an emperor. We don't have a king. We have a, we have a nation that was founded to be a, it's, it's a government created by the people for the people. And I don't care what religion you are, if you're a citizen of the United States, you're the people. So if you're a Christian, you're supposed to be involved in that. Now, anybody can sit back and take a look over the past hundred years. I mean, since, since 1900, has our government gotten better or worse? <laughs> what would you say, Angeline? Absolutely down the tubes. Okay, it's gone down the tube. Well, coincidentally, what's also gone down the tube is the number of Christians involved in our government. So perhaps what we need is some Christians who are strong, foundational Christians standing on the Word of God to get into our government and fix the problems. Okay, it's try, it's not, you know, try to get the government getting out of being involved in everything and get the people back into uh, self-governing. But the problem with that is that, as a quotation from uh, John Adams, I don't have I don't have it pulled up here, but I can almost quote it. He says, "Our Constitution." was made for a moral and religious people. He said it's wholly inadequate to the government of any other. And what he meant by that was that without a foundation on the Word of God, that is, the, the, the gospel and doctrines of Jesus Christ, without that moral foundation, he said the Constitution doesn't work. And that's what we're seeing today. That's why we're seeing so many people question the Constitution. And that's why we, we saw quotations of any of you who are, who are listening during George Bush's reign, you know, uh, his, his seat on the throne, when he said, uh, you know, he said, get the Constitution out of my face, it's just a piece of paper. Well, technically, he's right. It is just a piece of paper. So without any backing from a moral and religious people, it fails. And all these humanists and unbelievers think they're going to somehow make this country succeed without a moral foundation on the Word of God. And John Adams was trying to warn people it can't happen that way. And why do you think people don't see that? I mean, when you look at the founding documents, it's so obvious that the Christian faith was included and that the men involved, the leaders of that time, were Christian. I mean, they had a faith. And when you look now how we've got a God out of society, don't people ever, I mean, why can't they make the connection of morality has to be involved somewhere? And yet well, it's like, it's I mean, just, that's the bottom line. They don't want to, you know, but go, go ahead. Well, I, I was just going to ask you your opinion on that is, you know, society has just gotten worse and worse. The more we've pushed them out of our institutions, our government and everything yeah. else. And yet, hello, isn't anybody getting a clue on this? And then the first yeah, thing exactly. to say is get, get your faith out of, you know, we can't have that in a public place. You can't say a prayer anymore at a football game. I mean, it's getting absolutely ridiculous. And yet people just don't yeah. see the correlation. So I was going to ask you before I went on my rant, uh, why okay, you think that, that good. yeah, why you think that is. What you said was is. very accurate. You see, when the people are asking God, get out of our schools, get out of our, you know, football fields or whatever it is, get out of everything that we're doing, he's just being a gentleman and stepping aside. And things get worse. And the problem is they don't want to see the correlation because the Bible says that they don't reject God because of a logical reason. They reject God because of their lust. They don't reject God because of their science. They reject God because of their sin. Mm -hmm. it, all, it all comes down to we want our way. We don't want to be ruled by anyone. But here's the thing. I want to read this quotation real quick. Do we have just, just a yeah, few seconds? Here? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Go okay, ahead. this is the quotation from Robert Winthrop. He was the Speaker of the House of Representatives in 1947. He, he was a speaker for two years. And he said this. He says, men may as well build their houses upon the sand and expect them to see them stand. When the, rain, when the rains fall and the winds blow and the floods come, 
as to, the, as to found free institutions upon any other basis than that of morality and virtue, of which the word of God is the only authoritative rule and the only adequate sanction. Now, there's more to this quote, but right here, what, he, what did he just say? He says, when you guys think you're going to make this country work without morality and virtue, that's the same as, as a, ma- a foolish man building his house on the sand, and when the floods come, he thinks it's going to stand. And anybody that's done any kind of construction would say, that's completely foolish, but the same people think we're going to run this country without God. And he continues here, he says, all societies of men must be governed in some way or other. The less they have of stringent state government, the more they must have of individual self-government. The less they rely on the public law and physical force, the more they must rely on private moral restraint. Men, in a word, must necessarily be controlled either by the power within them or by a power without them, either by the word of God or by the strong arm of man, either by the Bible or by the bayonet. It may do for other countries and other governments to talk about the state supporting religion. Here, under our own free institutions, it is religion which must support the state. Mm-hmm. And what he's saying is that either you're going to be controlled by God or you're going to be controlled by man, and it's your choice which one you want. But the only way this is going to work is to have to have a moral and religious people, and he's reaffirming exactly what John Adams said that I quoted earlier. Right. Okay. All right, Chris, it's ready for our last break. Listeners, our guest is Christopher Johnson, founder of Creation Liberty Evangelism. We're discussing the foundation of our nation, and we'll be back right after this break. Hi, I'm Mark Spitz. I've been swimming all my life. I've won gold medals, even broken world records, but that doesn't mean that I'll go boating without wearing my life jacket. This year, too many people will die from boating-related accidents, and more than 80% of the drowning victims aren't wearing a life jacket. Accidents happen fast on the water. Even the best swimmers in the world can end up in trouble. That's why the U.S. Coast Guard recommends that you always wear your life jacket. Remember, it can't save your life unless you wear it. This message brought to you by the National Safe Boating Council and the United States Coast Guard. Welcome back. You're listening to the Truth Seekers radio show. Today, our guest is Christopher Johnson, founder of Creation Liberty Evangelism, and we're discussing the foundation of our nation. And Chris, would you give your uh, web address one more time? Yeah, it's creationliberty.com. Okay, so Christopher, just before we left, we were talking about gutting the faith out of everything because we can't have that. But this is what I see today. What do you think of this? We can't have anything Christian. But as all that's happening, we are allowed to teach the Muslim faith and culture and traditions in American schools. So number one, why do you think Americans and especially Christians aren't saying anything about this? And number two, where do you think this is all going to lead? Well, basically the Christians, I mean, when when people look at the problems that we're having in this country and we see these kind of things, um, and there's a few quotations and things I'd like to give from some of these founders I talked about earlier before we end on the show. But the when they when they see this kind of stuff happening and we see the education uh, going more and more towards humanism, atheism, that kind of thing, uh, I don't blame the atheists. I don't blame evolutionists for evolution being in public schools. I don't blame you know I don't blame the Muslims if they're teaching. You know I I have had people come to me and tell me that they know of public schools that their children have been in where they have taught them Muslim. You know, practices and had them practicing out, you know, going through their holidays and things like that mm-hmm. and in public schools. And these things happening, I don't blame them for all that. I blame the Christians because mm-hmm. we have a job to be vigilant. We're, God said he left us to be the stewards of the earth. And if we're not going to uh, uh, do anything to bring to light the situations, because we're supposed to be the children of light, we're supposed to be, you know, salt. Like I said, salt can irritate a wound. You know, we're supposed to be irritating to some people. That's why they get irritated when I talk about things like this. Um, and I, I tell Christians all the time, if you're not being irritating, uh, you're not doing what God told us to do because you're going to irritate somebody. Uh, but salt is, is preserving, and salt uh, flavors. It makes things better. And the, the 
children of light, we are supposed to reveal things. We're supposed to reveal the unfruitful works of darkness, the Bible says, and we're simply not doing our job. So Christians, you know, they, they always, I see them all the time, they want to go out and blame this organization, blame that one, and fight against this or that one. Why don't we cleanse the Church of Christ and get us back to truth and righteousness, get us out of 501c3, get us back to a real Bible and not some of these, you know, New Age toy Bibles I keep saying all the time. <laughs> and, um, you know, get the Church of Christ cleansed, and then we can start preaching the true gospel, and we can get a lot of stuff cleaned up at the same time. Because to be honest, the education system is just one of many battles that have to be fought. But I tell people all the time that it was, uh, you know, Abraham Lincoln that said the philosophy of government, or excuse me, the philosophy of the classroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. And that's why I tend to focus more on education than I do on the actual, you know, current events, because I want the next generation to know the truth and don't have to be swallowed by these lies. Right. Uh, but sorry, I know I don't know how much how many minutes we have left here, but I would love to share some of the quotations from the founders before we end here. We got it six to seven somewhere in there. Oh, I would love to do that. Um, okay. First off, here we got. I want to give you, I want to give everybody that's listening a few quotations from some of the, uh, the you know the, the humanists, the you know the scoffers, uh, and this is from. Uh, I, I won't tell you where all these are from. If you guys want to see the uh, where these are from. Uh, some of the more uh, popular documentation, you can see it on our website. It's under that uh, article, The Foundation of Our Nation. But one of them says, quote, The early presidents and patriots were generally deists, uh, believing in some form of impersonal providence, but rejecting the divinity of Jesus and the absurdities, the absurdities of the Old and New Testament, end quote. That's one of them. Here's another. It says, quote, The founding fathers of our nation were not Bible-believing Christians. They were deists, end quote. Uh, another one, quote, most of our, our other patriarchs were at best deists, but not the God of the Old and New Testaments, end quote. Now, this is repeatedly what they keep saying. But I want to give you guys uh, a few quotations from some of the men here. And if you go into that article I talked about, I have pictures of, the, of a painting painted by John Trumbull. Of the, uh, it's, it's the signing of the Declaration of Independence. It's a very famous one. Almost everybody recognizes this when I see it. And you see... You know, you guys might be able to point out a few people like Benjamin Franklin or Thomas Jefferson, but I ask people how many people they can identify in that painting. And the average, I mean, average American, not just the average person, the average American, they can't name hardly anyone in that painting. And my question is, if we can't even, if we don't even know who these guys are, how can we stand back and claim to know what their religious foundation was? So if we go into this painting and we can look, I point out, like I said, we have pictures on the website. I point out where there's uh, these different men that were sitting there. And John Trumbull was there live, and, and he painted this based off what he saw there. Uh, George Clinton is one of them. Uh, George Clinton said, uh, it is therefore, or excuse me, he, he wrote a, a proclamation of thanksgiving and prayer to Almighty God. He said, it is therefore recommended to the several states to set apart Thursday, the, the seventh day of December next, to be observed as a day of public thanksgiving and prayer, uh, all people, that all people may assemble on that day to celebrate the praises of our divine benefactor, to confess our unworthiness of the least of his favors, to offer our fervent supplications to God of all graces, and to cause the knowledge of Christianity to spread over all the earth. Now, let me ask you guys a question. Does that sound like a man who is at best a deist? Who, who just, you know, and, and let me define a deist for you. A deist is a belief in the existence of a god, of some god, Mm-hmm. on the evidence of reason and nature only, with rejection of supernatural revelation. You see, if you reject supernatural revelation, you're rejecting the Word of God. The entire Word of God is supernatural revelation. I mean, you can't say God's the Creator without supernatural revelation. We weren't there. We can't reason that out. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not scientifically provable. So you have to take that as faith on the Word of God. I mean, all prophecy is eliminated. The salvation of Jesus Christ is eliminated. God couldn't have risen from the dead because you can't reason that out. You see, all that is supernatural revelation. But George Clinton wants, I mean, he said we need to spread the cause of Christianity. Does that sound like a person that doesn't believe in the Old and New Testaments of the Bible? No. But yet, this is what they keep claiming about these men. You have John Witherspoon. Uh, he was an ordained minister. He's author of several books in America's First Family Bible. He was one of the signers of the Declaration. He says, I entreat you uh, in the most earnest manner to believe in Jesus Christ, for there is no, no salvation of any other. And there, when he said that, he was referring to Acts uh, 4.12. He said, if you are not reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, if you are not clothed with his spotless robe of his righteousness, you must forever perish. End quote. Does that sound like a guy who is a best deist and didn't believe the Bible? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. 
uh, Charles Thomas. Uh, he he wrote a, a, a another uh, proclamation of thanksgiving and prayer to Almighty God. Uh, he was the Secretary of Congress. He said uh, this is to his proclamation basically was to celebrate the praises of our glories, the glorious benefactor, to confess our manifold sins, to offer up our most fervent supplications to to the God of all grace, that it may please him to pardon our offense. Well, how can you know that, that God's going to forgive your sins, and that he paid the price of the cross, unless you believe the Old and New Testaments? You can't be a deist and believe that. Mm-hmm. You have men like Charles Carroll. Charles Carroll was a delegate to the, delegate to the uh, Continental Congress, uh, he was the last surviving signer of the Declaration. He said, quote, On the mercy of my Redeemer I rely for salvation, and on his merits, not on the works I have done in obedience to his precepts, end quote. Does that sound like a deist? I don't think so. Uh, I'll give you one more. We have a bunch on here. You guys can go through this. I'll give you one more. Benjamin Rush. He was known as also as the father of American medicine. He signed the Declaration. Uh, he trained over 3,000 medical students. He started the first college for women. Well, that was rare back in that day. But you see, the Bible uh, is more fair to women than any other religion out there, and I could, I could show examples of that. Uh, it's more about, you know, the Bible says that, you know, male or female, you are, it doesn't matter, you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's what the Bible tells us. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, he founded the Sunday School movement. We wouldn't have Sunday School in most churches without Benjamin Rush, and yet he's rarely mentioned. He said, quote, my only hope of salvation is in the infinite transcendent love of God manifested to the world by death of his Son upon the cross. Nothing but his blood will wash away my sins. I rely exclusively upon it. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly, end quote. Does that sound like a deist? He didn't really believe in the God of the Bible? I don't think so. Come on. These guys do not want to know the truth. These men quote these things because they want to take glory for themselves over something their wicked philosophies could not hope to achieve. Mm-hmm. Well, Christopher, do you have any parting thoughts? Because we're running out of time and we're going to have to close in a few seconds. Uh, no, I just encourage people to study more on this. You know, uh, get, understand where exactly, you know, we have to understand what our government is and how, what it was founded on. Otherwise, how are we supposed to run it? We can't be a constitutional republic, you know, they're trying to change it to, to democracy today, which, you know, the Founding Fathers, if you read any of their letters, all of them wrote avidly against democracy. They say democracies fall quickly. Democracy leads to socialism, and it falls very quickly into nationalism. But that's what a, uh, that's what a Nazi was, it's a national socialist. Uh, this country has always been a constitutional republic, and we need to find out what the foundations of it are. If you read of the beliefs of the men who started this, I mean, of the of the uh, most, the grand majority, we're talking, you know, uh, we're talking about 95% of the signers of the Declaration confess openly the Lord Jesus Christ as the merit of their salvation and that all morality should be based upon the precepts of Jesus Christ. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Christopher. Listeners, our guest today has been Christopher Johnson. He's the founder of Creation Liberty Evangelism, and we've been discussing the foundation of our nation. Thanks so much, Christopher, for your time today. Listeners, until next week, God bless.